Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hi again, I'm Tobin Mitnick. If you're new here, I'm on a time-traveling adventure with the boys from Completely Arbitrary, Casey Clapp and Alex Croson. You see, last week they realized they'd covered every tree on their hit weekly nature podcast. As you can imagine, this was a big problem. That's where I come in. We're on a trip through time and space to show them the wonders of trees they missed the first time around. But of course, they can tell you more. In fact, they should be here any second. Oh. oh, my back. Back? I think I hurt my shoulder. Do you have any idea what this means? This is my disc-throwing arm. Relax. Whoever said time traveling was comfortable? Anyway, no pain, no episode for this week. Where are we? Is this Isla Nublar? Close. We're in China. Three million B.C. Alex, look. Look at the trees. They're... They're... Don Redwood. Oh. No, no, no. Don Redwood, Alex. Oh, okay. Metasequoia glyptostroboides. Finally, something cool. I've always known they're ancient trees, but to see them with my own eyes is... Harrowing. Did you say 3 million BC? Oh, I gotta go home. I have lunch with a friend tomorrow. I'm so far from home. Are there dinosaurs? Oh, is that one right there? That's actually a log, but fret not. And don't get too cozy. Our real destination is a little more current. I just wanted to see how you would each react to all this, and it went exactly as I thought. Let me just put in the real date, and... Wow! It's so much less humid. Where are we? In exactly the same spot. We've only moved temporally. This is the lab of Shigeru Miki. The paleobotanist who discovered and named the Don Redwood? One and the same! Hey, there he is. Hello. We're sorry to intrude. Japanese, Alex? Doesn't matter. He can't hear or see you. Oh. Okay, so this is like the Christmas Carol now? Yeah, didn't this whole thing start as a Bill and Ted homage? It's still Bill and Ted. It really feels more like Christmas Carol to Yeah, definitely. It's not Christmas Carol! You know what? You guys are on your own. Enjoy your episode. I hope you choke on it. Tobin! You don't mean that! Of course I don't! I'm just mad and sleep deprived! You try having a baby in award show, a book launch, and a significant guest spot on a tree podcast the same week! Don Redwood 2, go! What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson, dude. 
Hey, dude, this is Casey Clapp, dude, other host of Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. Having said that, Alex, we had a discussion earlier about dude versus bro. Yes. I don't think that those two are temporally distinct. Well, okay. Well, the real thing came from... You said bro in in turn in in relation to Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Ah, yes. Uh, by the way, this is completely arbitrary's excellent adventure episode two. Welcome. Oh, yeah. I said I think that that movie predated calling people bro. Yes. I think that's like an early two thousands thing. Interesting. And so I didn't know that you were a little like a surfer bro. Like, oh, hey, what's up, bro? Yeah, I don't. I don't even know if they would really? call him a surfer bro. I'm gonna look this up. Surfer Alex. dude, right? It's always surfer dude. I mean, dude is very 80s and 90s. Wow, right? wow! Don't just Google bro. <laughs> uh oh, what'd you find? Uh, it auto auto filled with browser popcorn dot biz. Oh, interesting. I have no idea what that is. That sounds like a scam website. Yeah, I guess so. I'm. I'm just. I just want to look at this. Uh, bro, uh, let's see, short, uh, informal shorthand for brother, let's see more. Mm, maybe uh, the yes. etymology or the, uh, Ooh, rather the, uh, uh no, history. Use, use over time, mm, early 16th go. century as a written abbreviation, uh, as a colloquial abbreviation, <laughs> it looked like it actually peaked, Alex, sometime around, uh, 1910, 1911. Okay. And then ever since then, it's just really dropped down. Can you imagine those those yeah. 1910 dudes calling each other bro? Yeah. Hello, bro. <laughs> I like your wagon and the shape of your horse's rump. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yes. Now, is this... Uh, okay, he's talking about the literal horse. Uh, yeah, well, I mean... This is, this or his is woman. Eight, his... 18th century humor. I have no idea what they're talking <laughs> okay. about, Alex. Well, Casey, we've had plenty of preamble. We know what we're talking about today. That's right. We are talking about Don Redwood again. Metasequoia glyptostroboides. A whole new tale to turn. A whole new yarn to spin. A whole new burn to start. There you go. A controlled burn. Yeah. And Casey, we have a lot of new things to say about the Don Redwood here in Shigeru Miki's office. But we have to do so after the break. We'll be right back with Completely Arbitrary's Excellent Adventure. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, You're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at SCS. .georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary's Excellent Adventure. Today we're talking Don Redwood again in Metasequoia. Metasequoia. Nice. Metasequoia. 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 Glyptus Uh Casey. <laughs> 
Yes, we we have we have set the precedent that we're not going to fully ID these trees again. Correct. Because we did such in our previous iterations of exactly. these episodes. Exactly. And of course, if you want to listen to that, you should. Yes. End of point. <laughs> it really did sound like you were going somewhere. <laughs> I know. Uh, but we also wanted to give a brief recap on how to ID this tree. So let's imagine that you and I are here. In this valley in China. Mm, yes. Well, hold on. We are, where are we in the valley in China? Well. Or are we in a, uh, an office in Kyoto? Okay. I thought about this. In okay. the script. I mean, I mean, uh, Tobin said when he dropped us off that we have not moved physically, only temporally. Ah. So I took that to mean that we are in Shigeru Miki's office in China where maybe it's a temporary office Ooh. where he's doing some research collection. Uh-oh. Is, does that not track with what's what's real? No. Okay. <laughs> well, Tobin must have not understood what he was talking about. Time travel can really mess with your yeah, head. It can really mess with your head. We're yeah. in two, three. I think we're in four places at once right now, wow. which is sweet. Really, if you want to zoom out, we're in we're in infinite places at once. Oh yeah, and infinite times. Exactly. So, what's the problem? Is what I'm asking here. It's, it's time open. for me. It's time for us to talk about L. Ron Hubbard, Casey. <laughs> okay, I've been waiting for this for two years now, Alex. <laughs> uh, Casey, wherever we may be, <laughs> plot holes aside, let's ID this tree. Oh, right. So the big thing that everyone loves and knows about the Don Redwood is that it is a deciduous conifer. Hell yeah. Now, the thing about it being a deciduous conifer is that it loses its needles, making it a conifer that has a gorgeous fall color. Mm-hmm. So, the the best thing that I think, like whenever I see this tree, I walk up to it, and it's got this really like orange kind of shaggy looking bark, mm. and it's got armpits underneath where its branches used to be. Right. Do you remember talking about that? Yeah, we talk, it's like a little, it's like a little, I mean, yeah, armpit is the perfect way to it describe really it. It really is. Like, you can't even describe it any other way. Yeah, a little alcove underneath yeah, its so, limbs. Yeah, so alcove and this happens because the the branch uh where the branch comes out the wood underneath it doesn't grow as much it's not connected so it doesn't get a direct transfer of nutrients it's actually connected only on the side and kind of on top wood anatomy aside there still is some amount of growth there but it's just very minimal sure so it kind of just develops that fun shape yeah, that is a lot of fun. I love I love a little quirk like that. Right, and, and one that like helps you ID a tree, you know? Usually you say, well, it has a certain form, but this one, like, almost always of a certain age, you can find a lot of these growing on it. Yeah. So the other thing, of course, is that uh, it has these uh, little needles that come out, but they kind of come out in little twiglets, which is kind of fun. Mm. Instead of having individual needles like what you'd imagine on a fir or a uh, a pine, which a pine doesn't even necessarily have it. They right. all come in the bundles, right? Sure, but it's not even that. It's not even that. It, this is where they have a twig that comes out, and the twigs are oppositely arranged down the down the twig. They're the twiglets are oppositely arranged going down this twig. Okay. Then they unfurl where they look like a redwood, like a coast redwood, where they have like these flat two-ranked needles coming out on either side. But that entire twiglet is the deciduous part, which is kind of wild to think about. Like it's like a little teeny tiny branch that is in and of itself deciduous. Right. So come fall time, they call it, you know why they call it fall. Yeah. Yeah. It's all these... All these damn leaves are falling off the everywhere. That whole little twiglet falls off. It's not like the individual needles fall off, right? I want to hold on for a second, Alex. Oh, boy. Can we start calling all the other seasons 
other names. Okay, well, summer you got hot. Yeah, like, yeah. Welcome to hot. Yeah, and then uh, what about like grow during spring? Sure. What would uh, what would winter be? Like just cold. Cold. Yeah. Just just opposite. I just, think so. Is that oh, you snow. got fall, grow, cold, and hot? Yeah, I guess if you want to get more granular, you could be like. Why isn't why isn't winter fall? Because the snow is falling. Ah, uh, yeah, you know? okay, yeah. Well, we're talking about the leaves. I mean, let's just keep it focused on the plants, maybe. Oh, sure. So then, if it's not hot and cold, if it's focused on the plants, it can be just like naked and yeah, and and leafed. Winter winter's nude, nude, and then uh, uh, spring is spring is grow. Spring is grow, and summer is show show. Yes. Are you a shower or a grower? Be uh, honest. Uh, well, this is, you know, in the summertime, yeah. I'm definitely a shower. <laughs> but in the springtime, I'm a grower, Alex. I'm a grower year-round, baby. <laughs> anyway, thank you for indulging me. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Uh, where were we? Uh, well, we talked about the needles. Yes. The leaflets composing a leaf or, or something like that. Yes, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Dr- and needlelets, maybe we should call them. And I then, love uh, that. That whole chunk dropping off in the fall. Whoosh, turns bright, beautiful, like kind of tan orange yellow it's, mm. it's just a delight and let's talk cone case oh the cone alex i actually uh since the recording of our last episode i got it tattooed on me it's right there oh that's right yeah isn't it adorable it is a wonderful little cone yeah, oh, thank you alex it's a peltate cone it is peltate it's in the cypress family there you go. Yes. I guess I didn't. I didn't even really know that. Yeah. Well, it used to be in its own family, the Taxaceae or Taxodiaceae. Oh, that's right. But that family is uh, now dissolved to a kind of subfamily level within the Cupressaceae, the Cypress family. I hate to see it. You hate to see it, but it was uh, just tectonic movements in the taxonomic world. Tectonic movements in the taxonomic world. My favorite Talking Heads record. <laughs> that is, yeah, that was one of their best. David Byrne, like he's such, he's he's such a taxonomist freak. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that is a little peltate cone. Yes, and little. You say little. I yes. You mean little. I mean little, Alex. It's only maybe an inch long. I feel like even an inch is big for these for these cones. I think you're right. Yeah, that's a good size. Like that's that is very much. Of of the of the highest percentile, right? Yeah, you hear that? An inch is big. Yeah, okay, guys. Yeah, yeah. The Don Redwood <laughs> is a grower and not much of a shower. Sorry. Uh. It does. Uh, it does have Alex a very long stem that comes off of the cone. Yes, this is important. We'll talk about this in a little bit. Uh, but that is one very unique thing that most of the other conifers that it's closely related to do not have. They don't have that long stem that's connected to it. Right. Is that called a petiole, Casey? Um, no, because it's on a cone, it would be, I think technically, because it's a fruit, it would be a peduncle. Peduncle. Yes, I believe that would okay. be the case. I, I very understandably confuse those two. Obviously, which I think is very good to, to have that kind of as a problem to deal with. Sure. Uh, you, you don't have to keep track of that, Alex, is what I'm saying. <laughs> you, you, you got me here. This is the role we play. All right, all right. Um, so the other thing to consider is that um, the peltate cone scales mm-hmm. are oppositely arranged from each other and there's two of them there's two pairs so there's one pair that is going say left and right and then the other pair is at a 90 degree angle yeah. to those which would be oh, i guess i don't know front and back maybe you know Depending what i like to think at. of how what as of right now uh-huh. you know like lincoln logs yeah 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 they kind of sit 
like on top of each other and they have a little indent. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. Only, it's a little bit like that. If you crisscross two Lincoln logs. Totally. They got to be 90 degrees to each other. Yeah. yeah. So that is it. That's the, that is the big thing that actually set the Dawn Redwood apart when Shigeru Miki actually looked and said, hold on a second. This is a little bit different, Alex. Yes. It's the cone that really set him apart from everything else. Interesting. Well, Casey, you have you have uh, uncovered the fossil, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Today we are talking not just Don Redwood. Yes. Not just its uh, discoverer and namer, Shigeru Miki, but the whole idea of paleobotany, which means old plants. Yes, precisely, Alex. It's also kind of a story about how these things get named, because I, I kind of wanted to bring that up. I know a lot of people, when we uh, asked our Patreon members what uh, what they wanted to hear, they all wanted to hear a little bit about the story of how this happened. Yes. So I thought what we'd first start doing is talk about paleobotany, kind of what it is, right? And uh, like you said, uh, that it is old plants, right? But what do you know about paleobotany? Well, I got to admit, not much, but mm. I can extract some uh, inferences. All right, yeah, yeah. Um, paleobotany is, this, I believe, the study of fossilized plants. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, that's all I got to say about it. You f- you find an old, you find a rainbow wood, right? Uh huh. Yes. And you're like, who's going to study this? Mm. You want to find a paleobotanist? Yeah, exactly. Because a botanist is studying the living plants. A paleobotanist is studying the old ancient plants. Right. They are no longer around unless mm. you're one of those lucky uh, paleobotanists that happen to find a botanist who finds an, an extant is the term. Mm. It's the opposite of extinct, where a plant is extant oh. if it is still alive okay. versus extinct if it no longer has any individuals that represent its uh, its species. Interesting. So, uh, most paleobotanists don't get the opportunity that Shigiri Miki might have had. I actually am not sure exactly when he died because mm. uh, the, the way that it worked with Don Redwood is you had initially all these people who were studying fossils. Now, fossils and uh, just digging things in rocks and finding them was a huge pastime in like the 1800s. Um, mm. Mostly, and I th- I don't know that this is surely true, but I have a sneaking suspicion, it has a lot to do with coal. You familiar coal. with coal, Alex? Oh, yeah, I have a, a basic understanding. Are you a bad child during Christmas? <laughs> Boy, am I familiar with coal. <laughs> coal, Alex, as I'm sure you're aware, is essentially old plants that have been smashed down and turned into essentially uh, their carbon base. They're hydrocarbons, right? Okay, yeah. This is, uh, it all comes from the Carboniferous period, a lot of this Whoa. stuff. And it's this time period in ancient history where there was just swamps filled to the brim with plants everywhere, like wow. all over every place. Okay. They slowly died, and then they piled up inside of these swamps. Imagine a lake that just gets filled to the brim over eons and eons of 
plant matter until there's no longer a lake there to speak of. There's just all this stuff that's been smashed. Okay. It's been underneath water. Because it's underneath water, it has very little oxygen or no oxygen whatsoever. So it doesn't decompose. It just gets transitioned and put under pressure and turned into this secondary chemical kind of substance, which is coal, oil, that kind of thing. Secondary chemical. Yeah. I don't, I, I will admit right now, <laughs> I am not a geologist, so I don't know the yeah. exact process, how it goes from A to B. That was the wrong thing for me to follow up on. I'll yeah, say that. I, I thanks knew. a lot, Alex. <laughs> Sorry, Casey. Anyway, let me ask you quick, Casey, here's a quick question. What exactly does coal, how does it work? Uh, I get it enough. I yeah. get it enough. It's it's plant matter that was smashed over billions of years. Yeah. Well, millions of years. Hundreds of millions of years. Yes. Can I say hundreds? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Hundreds easily. of yeah, years. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and just turned into this other thing. It got it got all of the all of the plantness smashed mm. out of it. Yeah. Till it just became carbon incarnate exactly and it's flammable like it is definitely a flammable thing just like wood is flammable you're burning off the carbon you're doing the same thing that is this combustion reaction right sure and that's also that's that's how i know coals that you you uh, I guess charcoal. Charcoal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is the coal that you have to get from the, uh, like you dig it up from the ground. Via a coal miner. Correct. Okay. Now, because these are all plants, right? There are just so many fossils in coal beds where if we went down and we just dug around and chipped off some things, you could find fossils in coal of different plants. Mm. So they started looking around. They'd be like, oh, there's coal everywhere. Look at all these cool plants. And we, we found fossils. Interesting. Again, I am not, I, I, I'm saying this, but this is a part of our 30% might be false. You don't even have to explicitly you, state it anymore, <laughs> Thank Casey. You. I am not 100% sure, but for whatever reason, in the late 1700s, 1800s, mm-hmm. uh, finding fossils became like the cool thing to do. I like, have kind of an idea. Yeah? Okay. Well, I think it has, I think it has a little bit to do, maybe this came later, but a little bit to do with like the uh, discovery of like, quote, ancient civilizations. Yeah. By imperialists. I think so, where they like they like it's just the scientific kind of Western science revolution. Yeah. Where it was just really interested in everything. And this was just another one of those things. When was when was like the British like br- those those British dudes with pill hats pith hats? I have no pith clue. hats and uh, you know mustaches, and they go into the jungle with a rifle, oh, and they'd be yeah. like, "I think there's an ancient tomb somewhere around here." Like, when uh, was like that? Jumanji style, yeah, or uh, like yeah. like uh, like f- discovering the Egyptian pyramids, you know, oh, and breaking yeah. in, into them with with no regard for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honestly, late 1800s, early 1900s. Okay, that's like, that's yeah. about where I placed it. Yeah, like yeah. 1920s is when I imagine all these things happening. Okay, okay. but then um, like there was a bunch of other stuff like this happening in the 1800s you know mm-hmm. like there was plenty of different areas where they found evidence of fossils and evidence of old things that they're just like what are these things sure so uh as a paleobotanist they wanted to figure out what a bunch of these plants were so we started in the late 1700s to um put plants in different orders and taxonomy right we've just we had carl linnaeus be like okay here's how we're going to organize everything then we started doing that for all the living things but then we'd find fossils and we'd say wow this looks just like an oak Mm. except for this or except for this Ah, we find all these things that don't look anything like any plant we have today 
then we would find some that look sort of like a plant we have today. And we went back and we have found entire orders and families of plants that have gone completely extinct. Wow. Not a single one has been alive for 20, 40, 200 million years. Whole orders. Yeah. Like, so we can like mark a, a, a beginning and an end to this is when this yeah. plant order existed. Exactly. Because we wow. found fossils up to a certain date and not before a certain date. Sure. So we can say, okay, they were around here. They're most closely related to the modern day podocarps. But then just one went off and did its own thing for a while and then succeeded for a couple million years and then just plummeted and went away. Very Never just be seen again. Okay. So paleobotanists are the people that look at this and they do a couple things. One, they find fossils and they look at the individual, which it's essentially, as you recall, when we looked and talked about our rainbow wood, they are looking at the, the imprints that are left behind from whatever was there in the first place. One of the things that they will find is, say, a leaf or a twig or a uh, a fruit or something like that. Bark sometimes. And then they just take a really close look at it. <laughs> How close are we talking? Microscopically close, sure. Alex. And they're comparing it to maybe other plants that are similar that, we, that mm-hmm. are extant? And extinct. Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. They essentially take a look at both and they see a plant and they say, what is this? Is it still alive? And if it's not, where does it lie in the family tree? Mm. And they try to essentially uh, figure out the history of life over the course of time that we can't see just directly in front of us. Sure. So paleo, of course, like you said, it means ancient or old. So what they're doing is they're going back and they're saying, wow, okay, what used to be here? And there's also a kind of side paleo uh, thing called paleoecology, which is essentially trying to figure out what the environment was like, where all these plants that they find were grown. Cool. Obviously, it kind of seems like one leads to the other, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm assuming that any, any like... Uh, botanist is also studying a little ecology, right? Yeah, and then if you find a plant in a certain spot, you're like, oh, well, it must have been that in Oregon 50 million years ago, mm-hmm. there was an oak tree that was here. There was a beech tree. There was a this tree. There was a that tree. Right. So it kind of leads on to that. Like you just finding one is you finding a piece of a puzzle but technically, another person with a different title is the one who actually puts the puzzle pieces together. Oh, sure. So I, I really think that they're, they're kind of, you know, two sides of the same coin to some extent. Yeah, I yeah. can imagine it's almost sort of like a dissatisfying lifestyle. Well, why? I, why? Yeah, why would it be dissatisfying? I, only because, like, I, I don't know, how, like, how often might you find some big, I guess this is all sciences, like... But like, how often would it be that you find some big kind of revelatory oh, thing? You know, honestly, I think it's actually not so unrare. Well, I stand corrected. I need a hat to eat. Oh, Alex, you're not going to eat any hat. This is. I think it's a fine question because you're like, well, you're digging in rocks. You know, how many new rocks are you going to kind of find? I, I suppose so. I'm. I'm not saying that it's quote digging at rocks okay yes i i am the one who's saying <laughs> digging in rocks alex in, in please the, don't misquote me like that in oh the same God. way that a concert via uh guitarist is not plucking at strings <laughs> yeah okay that's a that's a good <laughs> metaphor 
Well, yeah. so as it happens, uh, these are these are people that are trying to reconstruct some kind of history. Okay. Whether or not it is the history of just a family tree where they said, okay, well, the, here, there's a species of birch. We found this hidden link between the, the firs and the pines, you know, something like that. They are tending to either be looking to see what's there or looking because they want to know what a place was like. And the only thing they can do is find what was growing there. Gotcha. So this is what our friends were doing over at, uh, over in Kyoto, Shigeru Miki. Right. So Miki had originally found two species of fossil sequoia. At least that's what he mm. thought they were. And this is uh, what he named Sequoia Distica and Sequoia Japonica. Ooh, the so, Japanese Sequoia. Does that exist today? No, it doesn't. It. But wouldn't okay. it be so cool yeah. if it did? I just want to see what it looks like. Yeah. Well, this, it turns out, you know exactly what it looks like because those are the Don Redwood. <gasps> now, if that's not time travel, <laughs> I don't know what is, Alex. <laughs> what a twist. So there's another species that mm-hmm. was found by another paleobotanist. Um, called uh, S. Endo, and I can't find Endo's first name. Oh, but, okay. Uh, he's listed in all these things, and there's some great resources that we have linked to about just this thing. I was trying to look this up, uh, and I got so much good information from Arnold Arboretum. It's great. Oh, nice. About so, Shigeru Miki and uh, this ab- whole thing? About this whole thing, okay. which is so fascinating, and I'm just so tickled to retell this story. <laughs> well, let's tell it. So... Essentially, these two guys found fossils, and they were like, yeah, so here is, uh, these are three different species of what we think are sequoia, because when you look at their leaves, they look just like sequoia, but you can't necessarily tell if they are deciduous or evergreen. In this case, uh, we've learned now that they are deciduous. So they would look at them, and they'd say, aha, well, maybe this is just a different species of sequoia. Mm. Then, sometime in the early 1940s, some uh, some foresters, some folks working in uh, China were walking around and they found a couple different species of trees that at the at the time they would call them, or the locals called it, a water fir. And I think we might have talked about this because that's that was just their kind of common term. Yes. So there was a guy who was working at, uh, his name is T. Can, and he was working at the Department of Forestry at the National Central University, and this is in China, in Sichuan. Hmm. So he saw along the side of the road that there's these weird trees. So he talked to another guy, talked to this other guy that was working at the agricultural high school, and he said, can you get me some <laughs> of those some of those like seedlings or a couple of those branches? So then they ended up sending him over to this other guy whose name is... Sen Su Hu, and I should say, Alex, that's spelled H-S-E-N space H-S-U space H-U. Okay. And I'm not necessarily the best at pronouncing these things. <laughs> who, I th- I, who, I think would be... Yes, Sen Su Hu. Sen Su Hu? Yeah. Okay. I think that's this person's name. All right. He's a professor uh, and at the Fan Memorial Institute in Biology in Beijing. So... This guy then started uh, working with a couple other of these things. He had these papers that these Japanese paleobotanists had, and he said, I think these are all the same species. Not only that, but these other foresters found this exact species growing, and it's still alive. You know how I see this scene playing out, Casey? Wow. It's like... uh when a little kid, you know, a movie where a little kid in the desert finds like 
a piece of metal. Yeah. And he like shows it to his dad and his dad's like, Hmm, I've never seen anything like this before. Uh-huh. And his dad takes it to a coworker who has a cousin who works for this, you know, <laughs> yeah. and then they like pass it up the chain until like it's on the president's desk. And he's My like, God. it's aliens. <laughs> yeah. And the little kid's just like, whatever. This, this sort of reminds me of the, 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 ascension of the chain of command of this water for uh, oh my god and alex i think that's like so correct i need to see this in a movie so the movie becomes that like the 1920s in this case 1940s version of what you were talking about earlier yeah of like the the british uh kind of savari folks going down with their hats and their guns and their mustaches you know the jumanji style guy and then they they kind of started to really want to find this. Mm. So this uh, this professor that we're talking about, Sen Su Hu, was the first botanist from China to earn a PhD at Harvard University, wow. which is where the Arnold Arboretum is. So that is where the Arnold Arboretum was the first to send over uh, a bunch of money and some people to go try to find this tree and bring back samples to the United States. I had no idea the Arboretum's been around that long. Oh, yeah. This is one of the oldest, biggest ones. Yeah. I, in fact, wow. I don't know when it initially started, but it's, it is a spectacularly ancient place. It's really, really Interesting. cool. If anyone gets a chance to go to Arnold Arboretum, do. I want to go. We're going to do it, Alex. I don't know when we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. Arbitrary does Boston. <laughs> yeah, all right. We're going to go get some Boston lagers. <laughs> um, so they ended up also getting in touch with a Professor Cheney at the uh, University of California. Hmm. So all these people uh, at Harvard and this Dr. Cheney were really excited to go get this tree. So they ended wow. up going over and got a couple other people to help them, some porters, a bunch of other like help folks to help them travel and like carry stuff. Like they made this huge long trek like the day after World War II ended. Oh my God. Because we should keep in mind, this is all happening like 1946 in the 19, the all the 1930s and 1940s when China was in such a huge catastrophic meltdown at the time, politically speaking. Yeah. There's like the communist revolution is coming on one side. Japan for like the last 20 years has essentially colonized much of China. And the whole place is just like not doing well. Mm. Then they find these trees and everyone's like, I gotta get those trees. (laughs) Give me to those trees. A little glimmer of hope or is it just like... Is it like something to put on the front page that isn't war? You know, I'm not sure. I really am not sure Mm. what it was. I think it was a little bit of we really want to see this tree. And it was like it was one of those monumentous discoveries. Even in 1940s, everyone was saying this is the scientific discovery of the century. Wow. And to this day, I think Arnold Arboretum actually in like 1998 or some other, you know, good I don't know, announcer of things, stated that this was still the find of the century in 1998. Keep in mind, Alex. Well, keep keep in mind mind an arboretum is saying this. Yes. That's what the real... (laughs) Well, it's keep in mind, yes, it's an arboretum. He's like, yeah, a tree that we thought was extinct. But keep in mind, like not four years before that, they found the Wollamai pine before oh, yeah. 1998 so uh, okay you know i see what you're doing here casey's like uh how many yeah. finds of the century can you have alex <laughs> 
we don't want to pit these trees against each other, but if we had to, clearly... No, no, no. Let's... You know. I, um... I think Don Redwood wins. Well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying is okay. the subtext. Yeah, all right. I I'm see. saying that this thing from the '40s is the fine of the century, not all this right. thing at you know not at the very end of the century. Start from Australia, right, exactly. Oh, Ian Allen's gonna be so mad at me for saying that. <laughs> Sorry, Ian. Uh, well, so this is this expedition, uh, Alex. That went through was led by this guy called Ralph Cheney, He's a mm. paleobotanist at the University of California, okay. Berkeley. So he kept on going down and or got a, all these things together. Talked with um, Professor Who, and finally was like, "Let's go do it." And I swear to God, I'm going to show you this picture of these guys. Uh, is that not the most like 1940s uh. like? picture of two white guys looking at a tree like they're wearing like their hunting caps and like all this stuff yeah they're this is this is straight out of that uh kind of adventure serial right you know it um, totally is can i ask is was miki involved in this expedition at all no he wasn't now, i don't believe this, so is this sad is um, this like uh, a bit of a bit of whitewashing is this well i mean it's about to be a bit of whitewashing okay but it's not i don't think it is at this time because uh he is a paleobotanist like his job his thing that he does is he looks at fossils i see so he's just this like is not a fossil. Yeah. So once they've once you look at a bunch of fossils and then other people are like, oh, actually, I think we I think this tree exists. Maybe if they were excited, but I have to iterate here. If Miki is still alive at this mm-hmm. point, because I this is literally the day after World War II, two atomic bombs dropped on his country. Sure. Um, then it is likely that he wouldn't really be welcomed in China right now. <laughs> Oh, okay. So I this don't is why he know. didn't have an extra office in China. Yes, like Tobin thought. <laughs> like Tobin thought. Not Tobin. Yes, exactly. Okay. So uh, I'm not sure of all those small things, but I can say that the only people who are really discussed after this are um, a few people who were credited with the co-finding of the tree mm-hmm. um, in some papers. Dr. Chang was one of these people. It was a character we haven't introduced. Another eminent botanist called Elmer D. Miller with the Arnold Arboretum and like a couple other people who kind of started to get involved in this. But a lot of the people who did the initial finding, that was even done, I think a lot of those researchers did that like in the decades prior. Like I think I saw one thing from 1928. Wow. It was one of these papers that said that this is a tree, you know? Okay. So before really, it's a, it's a fossil tree, I guess. Just four words on this 300 page document. This is a tree. Oh my God. <laughs> the photocopy. It's over and over and over and over. And uh, Wendy Torrance finds it on, on Jack Torrance's desk. Yeah, exactly. So the whole thing gets really freaking. Um, okay. I, I understand Casey. Okay. I understand. So, I, I, I'm just. This is such a cinematic. I can't stress how much this is so cinematic. We should make this into a movie. I mean, it needs to be. Yeah, then, write this up. But the the thing is, it would be noted to death by the studios because they'd be like, ah, well, there is, there should be a monster there that that attacks them. Uh, hey, you know? well, I mean, we're we're in a place of high art, Alex. I think we can. I think we can make this happen. How does the monster of imperialism? It's all oh, sort of an analogy. Please. Oh, you could also do the monster of communism because hey, while they were doing this, they literally had armed guards take them over to this tree. <laughs> because the, I think the the communist, um, I, I guess it would just be the Red Army. No, because that's the Russian Army. I don't know, but like this is right before the communist revolution in China. Okay, so they were like poised to invade this entire area and like take it over. Wow! So they 
had to like get in and get it done and take a look at it and get out really fast. Man, they really wanted that tree. Oh, yeah, they did. And the whole thing ended up becoming a giant sensation. Yeah. They came back, and one of the guys who was there was a, a guy named Milton Silverman. Hmm. He is a newspaper writer for the San Francisco Chronicle. Great journalist name, Great by the way. Great journalist name. Isn't that? Yeah. What is? Hello, I'm Milton Silverman. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you some questions? <laughs> oh, just one more thing. Just one more thing. Milton Silverman here. <laughs> All of a sudden, he's in Boston. We're going to find him in our room. <laughs> so he was also sent by Save the Redwoods League, which is a, a, a group that specifically um, way back when got started to just save the Redwoods. They literally put in their name. Mm. And they're one of the biggest nonprofits to help produce or help protect uh, the Redwoods of uh, Northern California coast, as well as the Sequoias, I think. They kind of do a lot of different stuff. So, of course, they have a, you know, yeah, we got to go find the only other living yeah. Redwood that's out there. So they ended up uh, carrying these guys out and they put this big newspaper article that ran and became this huge thing. And they are the ones who termed it the Don Redwood. Okay. But the thing is, people got so, so upset. This guy, Merrill specifically, Mm. he was one of the guys that sent money over to China to get them to send back some of the things. So he basically was like, yes, we'll fund this. I'm with Armored Arboretum. Hi, give us your trees. Oh, did maybe he want it named after himself? No, he didn't want it that. He specifically is like, you guys are taking all of the credit, like this Cheney guy who went over there from California, Mm. who then came back and had the newspaper article run. He got a bunch of credit for the, quote, discovery of this tree. Right. And this is something we talk about all the time, where we're like, well, white guys didn't discover this tree. People knew about it for a long time. Yes. But in this case, Merrill is also like, no, no, no. The people who discovered that tr- that tree are the Chinese foresters and scientists <gasps> that actually did the work. Like okay. all of these people that we can't even pronounce their name because we don't speak their language very well. Yeah, He's like, no, those are the people who found this tree. You guys just went over and took pictures of it and came back and ran a newspaper article. That is a surprising take, I Isn't think. Isn't that like... I thought it was going to be he was pissed that he wasn't he wasn't at least credited for funding it. Yeah. Or that it wasn't named after him because it, he was credited for funding it. But he gave credit That's to the thinking. actual Chinese foresters who were working with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good for Milton. He did say, though, he conceded that Cheney, and this is from the Redwood Leagues, uh, that Cheney had collected the saplings. So he said, yes, you collected okay. the saplings and you brought them over. And as a quick side note, apparently Cheney, this guy went ballistic because the uh, when he flew them back over, customs wouldn't let him take them oh, in. Oh, shit. They were like, no, you can't just take these trees. We have to incinerate them because they certainly have some disease on it that we can't just let in. And he just went absolutely bonkers in the airport. It was like yelling about how old they are until apparently, I don't know how true this is, Apparently, one guy came over, uh, like some passenger who just was overhearing this this you know explosion, and was like, "Wait, so how old are they? Oh, they're like tens of hundreds of millions of years old. Well, I guess those technically should count as antiques then." <gasps> and then they said, "Find their antiques and let them come through." Oh custom. shit! Isn't that hilarious? That's canon. Let's just say it's true. Yeah, let's just say it's true. It's just so good. That's amazing. I, by the way, I want to I want to redact. I said 
Good job, Milton, earlier. Oh, uh, yes. I, I, I confuse Milton with this Merrill. Yes. All these guys look and sound the same in my head. They so. do. And honestly, we didn't do a good job of introducing all of our characters here. So, Well, there's just too yeah, many. Sorry, everyone. There's like 12 angry men, but none of them have names. Yeah, right. There you go. Or they have names that are all very confusing. <laughs> uh, so, But the last thing I will say, Merrill was a little bit upset also because he wanted them, like he had some credit. He's the one who basically funded these people initially claimed sending over seeds and doing these things. Yeah. Newspaper article completely left him out. He also was really upset because he basically said that the era of colonialist botanical quote raids had ended. Wow. So he was definitely like before his time. Yeah. This is being a progressive like, dude. Exactly. Didn't you think? Yeah. Like it's, it's stunning to me, Alex, that someone in the 1940s at this point was even remotely concerned with this because normally back then, certainly right after World War II, racism was like at, at its height, like certainly a height. I mean, it's probably had several peaks in the, in the past. Yeah. Uh, but it was like one of those things where you're like, wow, you, huh, you're not just jumping for credit for this yourself? Uh, all right. That's kind of incredible. Yeah. You just think so? I like this guy, Merrill. Merrill. All right. Shout out to Merrill. Hey, let's put him in that uh let's put him in that hall of that uh, that hall arboretum of fame along uh, with David Douglas. Huh? We'll give him a, a an honorary scotch botch. Yeah, he's an honorary scotch botch. Merrill, you're going into the Arboretum of Honor. Congrats. Way to be, not be a, a shit head. Yeah, way to just not be completely awful. Yeah. This is one of the things though with Cheney, he was a paleo ecologist okay he wanted to collect samples of this tree because all he really cared about the thing in his deepest heart Mm -hmm. was figuring out how these trees grow today where they grow so that he could figure out what other places that have their fossils Mm. must have once been like okay it's a pretty good assumption it's not foolproof but if you just have a tiny little grove same thing as the woolamai pine the coast redwoods the california sequoias all of these things they live in these relic habitats because they're the only places that they can grow but if they're found everywhere across all these different continents as the don redwood is you can assume that at some point they were growing all over there because it was all the same kind of general conditions sure so when you find them growing today you can say okay so those are the conditions that they're best adapted for they probably haven't changed too much over Mm. the last several million years so we can jump to at least a not awful conclusion that all the other places we find the fossils at some point must have had that same kind of climate. Makes sense. And that's how we start putting these puzzles together. Wow. He's the puzzle piece guy. <laughs> well, do you know? Do we know where the first Don Redwoods to be planted in? I mean, Arnold Arboretum, I'm assuming? Yes, okay. yeah. Okay. But that's the thing. They sent seeds over to... All sorts of different universities. Sure. I think it was like four pounds of seeds only. Oh my God. It's so, so many That's seeds. a lot of seeds. Yeah, and they grew them all over the place from uh, you, you anywhere in the United States that has like a big old one. First off, as we noted, nothing's older than 1946. Nothing. Like okay. Only the ones that are growing in China. Every other right. one in the entire world is less than that. That's pretty 
incredible. That's that's a profound point, Case. Yeah. So uh, I think there's a few here in Oregon, at least one at the University of Oregon. I'm pretty positive. Okay. Probably also at Oregon State. Um, and I don't know about Hoyt Arboretum. It was an arboretum at the time, but I don't know that they mm. necessarily have one. I know they have plenty of uh, Don Redwood. Sure, maybe not one from that that episode. From that exact, like, you know, the first, you know, flush of seeds, so right. to speak. Yeah, I don't know. The first, uh, the first Wells Fargo's ex- Express <laughs> yeah. <laughs> delivery. Ba-bing! There are horses riding up. Yeah, we got a little a, later. We got that. a lot of eras coming in here. Tobin, what have you done to Listen, us? Listen, anytime before 1975 is just a big blur for okay, me. Okay, yeah, that sounds good. So One your Model T pot. goes across the Oregon Trail. Yes, okay, yes, I yes. I put those in this, and they come across some cavemen. <laughs> okay, yeah, which makes sense. Those cavemen are eating Don Redwood seeds. <laughs> Well, okay, interesting. Yeah, that's that's a that's quite the tale, Casey. Yeah, does does that all make sense? Can you? Uh, yeah, you... it tracks. I, the okay. characters a little are a little muddied for me, but that's that's my fault. Yeah. Um. Ah. Well. Yeah. I'll I'll take some credit for that, Alex. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's overtly cinematic, which I like about it. Mm. Um. I am grateful to this Merrill man for giving mm-hmm. credit where credit is due. Yeah. And I also am like, man, thank God those trees didn't have a disease on them yeah. that killed all the trees in North America. Now, here's a here's a question, Alex. And we got it over the border through a loophole, we through did, a yeah. made-up loophole. It must be an antique. All right. I just don't want to hear you yell at me anymore. Here's, here's my question, Alex. Yeah. What if it did? What if we planted it over here and it became a horrendous invasive species? Yeah. Would we still be like, oh, yeah, it's a cool, uh, beautiful living fossil piece of shit yeah i don't i don't i think it would be reviled uh much like you know tree of heaven or yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, bradford pear another another funny like fair. go get this tree and plant it here true also from china same thing hey there you go yeah, yeah so yeah you know i in fact i i just i wish i just wish that it would grow back here in a semi-invasive way because I kind of just like what that would look like. Oh, yeah. Because it fits our flora still. Like, it fits everything. It also makes me feel like it would be a throwback a little bit, you know? Mm. Like, a little bit of like, yeah, yeah, I I remember these rocks. I've been here before. Right. You know, I kind of think that would be kind of fun to see just another little grove pop up just being like, I'm back. <laughs> a throwback to 20 million years ago. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Throw way back. Right. I think as, as I was looking through here, I think the most recent one was, I think, 2 million years old, but I don't oh, know where that was exactly from. Oh, you said 20, which is totally right. Oh, oh, oh. But I, I know that there were um, in Oregon around 50 million years ago, there was, uh, I think they called it Metasequoia occidentalis or occidentale, Ooh, something like okay. that. Okay. Which, um, again, with paleobotany, because we can only see certain little bits, we can say, okay, we know that this is some kind of metasequoia. We know it's over here, so we're going to give it a full scientific name. Mm -hmm. But because you can't see the rest of the tree, and it has to be connected to the rest of the tree in order to be fully sure that it's from, you know, that these two parts are of the same thing. Sure. You can't say for 100% positive that these weren't, in fact, four different species of metasequoia Mm. that just looked all exactly the same in their leaf shape, but maybe their cones were wildly different or one grew a certain different way or one was evergreen and one wasn't. Like, we don't know. We just don't know. So it could be that this, uh, the one that grew over in Oregon went extinct about, you know, 50 or 60 million years ago. 
I, I sorry, I'm, I need to go the opposite direction. Fifty or forty million years ago. Oh yes, because it's going back, going mm. up in time, right? Mm. So those went extinct, but that could have been its own species. We're not, we can't be a hundred percent sure, but we're pretty, pretty positive. Essentially, one tree covered the entire northern hemisphere at one point or another. And it was the Don Redwood. How about that? Right. Hey, that was our discussion, our second discussion of the Don Redwood. We have a big question to ask ourselves after the break. How does this make us feel any different? Then our first review. That's right. Casey will answer that question after a quick break. We'll be right back with more Completely Arbitrary's Excellent Adventure. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. That was our discussion of the Don Redwood, our rediscussion of the Don Redwood. Mm-hmm. Casey, mm-hmm. now we are, we don't plan on giving these these excellent adventure trees another cone score. No, our cone scores were canon. Exactly, they'll stay the same no matter what. That's right. But you and I have decided to answer the question: Does anything we talked about today change how you feel? And so, Casey. Mm-hmm. As about the Don Redwood, I should yes. say. Yes, all right. Not Very about fair. like religion or something. Yeah, honestly, now. <laughs> yeah. Be incredible yeah. if you discovered religion at your age. <laughs> yeah, I've talked about you. it. Uh, I've talked about this tree a lot. Now I think I, I think I'm a I think I'm a Jainist. <laughs> we need to worship this thing. Yeah. Uh, as a resident expert, we will begin with you, Casey. Any oh, new right. thoughts on this Don Redwood? You know, Alex, I don't. I don't think I have any any real new thoughts. Sure. Um, I still think that this is one of the coolest trees out there. Just plain and simple, period, and a conversation. Easy statement. Just, I, th- I think it's just spectacular. Uh, I guess the big thing that I could like think is like the story kind of is more interesting and like has a certain amount of lore to it and then like reading more into the lore makes me think that it's like uh i don't 
know. I don't know, Alex. It's, it's, I like reading into it, but the lore and the whole like, wow, we found this tree and who did it what, it's more of a person thing, mm, you know? Less where, to do with the tree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, 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 like, I like that there are people making sure that everyone has credit where credit is due and yeah. like kind of revising the old kind of colonialized history um, in this case, which I have to say also it's not the worst, you know, colonial necessary thing but we did it's just like the the monkey puzzle we gave it this flashy name in english called the dawn redwood wow and everyone really likes that right that's really great but we it does still skip over all these other things so i I don't know i don't know where i'm going but i think i mean my last score was what 9.8 that's correct that's a pretty high score and i think i stick with that like i think I think if anything, now that I've heard about it and everyone's so stoked that I'd be like, yeah, honestly, it's trees. It's not as cool as everyone sounds. Oh, you're, you want <laughs> to be I, a contrarian about it, huh? Now I'm just going to give it like an 8.6 and be like, yeah, jar is <laughs> way cooler than this tree. You know, when you come down to it. It's too mainstream. Yeah. So I, I can't, I don't, I'm going to stick with, I'm going to stick with this. I don't think our discussion today has changed my opinion, which is already quite high yeah. of the Don Redwood. Wonderful, Casey. What about you, Alex? Well... I love context. Gotcha. I like I like in uh, enriching a story, enriching something you already knew. You know. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I th- I really liked this tale. It was mm. pretty mild in terms of colonialism. You know. So <laughs> I like the I like the story. I like this guy who. Uh, I'm grateful to this guy who who wanted to give credit to the Chinese foresters. Yeah, Mr. Merrill. Merrill. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was. I kept wanting to say. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, what was the other name? See, I, I, there's too many characters. There's too many characters. Yeah, this is like a, this is a fucking Game of Thrones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, At least the names are spelled correctly. Right. How many Johns are in Game of Thrones? <laughs> With how many E's in their name? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't think it changes my opinion negatively. Certainly, and, okay. and I think it. I think it gives me a better appreciation for this. Tree All right, facing. there you go. I appreciate that. And I and I gave it a nine point four back in the day. Yeah, and of course, we cannot change our our scores. We'll That's never canon. Change. Yeah. But if I just had to give it like an updated score for today, although mm-hmm. it will not technically change my old score. I'd go nine eight. Nine eight. I'm up there with you. All right. All yeah. right. So we're tied to nine eight. Yeah. Okay. I think that sounds good. I think that would be a good idea. I just love this cone. I love it so it's much. It's such a great cone. It's one of my ah, favorite cones. I think it is my favorite cone. That's like, impressive. Of all of them. That is very impressive. It's you beautiful. heard it here first, folks. Yes, you did. In fact, I think this is I think I've said it before. You heard it here third, folks. You've also heard it here before, <laughs> folks. Yeah, 100%. I think that's very fair. Well, dude, that was our rediscussion. All right, dude. Of the Don Redwood. It's time for a very Don Redwood Q&A, Casey. Oh, uh, I love Don Redwood Q's and A's. We asked our lovely patrons, patreon.com slash arbitrarypod, if you want to support the podcast. The Quercus and Alder level. That's right. We said... Ask your Don Redwood questions here. And we got plenty of responses. We're going to go through these in a bit of a rapid fire because we usually only answer one question per episode. And uh, this this episode, we're answering 17. Yeah. So uh, let's get into it, Case. Let's get it done. This question is from Sage Miner, who says, uh, not a question, actually, but I would love to hear you guys do a deep dive on the adventure of finding the Don Redwoods. Um, Sage, C. <laughs> Minute five. Been there, done that, Sage. Of this, uh, of this podcast. Also, are they closely related to sequoias and redwoods? Yes. They are. They are very closely related. They used to be in the same family before that family was a part of the Cypress family, Cupersaceae. 
That, that was noted. Taxo, Taxoniaceae? Uh, Taxodiaceae. Taxodiaceae. Yeah, exactly. So that's the family that initially came from the bald cypress, Taxodium. Right. So that was the first one they found, or the oh, first one wow. that was named by Western science. So then it becomes the uh, the benefactor, the, the scion of that family, because at the time it was the only one. It was different enough. So, okay, cool. That That's in that family. Taxodium, Taxodiaceae. Oh, shoot. What are these things? Oh, right. it's a big tree. Uh, that's a redwood. Okay, that's a dawn redwood. And I think also glyptostrobus is in there as well. And maybe one more? Can I just say, Copersacea is, is such a mess. Oh my God, it is. But you know what? It's a, a story for another time. Mm. It is such a beautiful mess. Wow. Uh, thanks, Sage. Daniel Christensen says, I've heard that Don Redwoods have armpits that act like a bald cypress knee, mm. but would love to hear from the experts if that's true. Well, as we discussed, there you go. armpits are only like the bald cypress knees and the fact that they're named after a body part. Yeah, and they they appear uh, you know, uh, on the tree. Sure, yeah. they, they do not have the same function. Exactly. The knees being pneumatophores helping for gas exchange and the armpits being just a, a kind of morphology Morphological attribute of the tree. Yeah. Great question, Daniel. Very good. Blair asks, are there any North American animals that will benefit from planting more of these? Hmm. I wonder if there has been any relationships brewing since the introduction of these trees. That is very curious. I don't really think so. Hmm. Um, because they don't have anything really to offer. I'm sure something would eat the seeds. Uh, sure. But other than that, I can't really guess... Um, a whole lot. They're deciduous, so they don't have very good cover like an evergreen tree would. So you wouldn't really nest in them other than during the leaf on season. So they're not good for just chilling. Uh, but almost any tree is good to nest in, depending on the bird. So I can't think of them. I don't know that there would be a whole lot. One of the big things is that trees that have the best relationships with a bunch of things are the ones that either get their leaves eaten or they decay and are great homes for a lot of things. Sure. These, uh, because of the way they live, don't really do either of those things. So they've kind of outgrown, from the tree's perspective, these negative attributes. How about that? So there you go. That, what are your, what are your other big ones? Squirrels, birds, and deer are sort uh, of like your big three yeah. kind of tree herbivores, right? I would say so. But you also have a lot of insects that do that, that do any amount of herbivory. Sure. Um, <laughs> Herbivory. Yeah, you don't you never heard that before. No, I love that though. It's such a great term. Herbivory. What what have you been doing tonight? Oh, I've been Mm. doing quite a bit of herbivory. Oh, you have. Ate some salads. Yeah, exactly. I had some kale. (laughs) Herbivory. Well, thank you, Blair. Yeah, that's a great question, Blair. Allison LeBlanc. Don Redwoods make me think about extinct trees. Mm -hmm. Fair. Good, fair. Do you think we should be working toward resurrecting any extinct tree species? Are they working on this currently? Do you know any that you'd love to see brought back? Wow. I have an opinion on this. What's yours? I think like Jurassic Park, let it be extinct. Ah, uh, okay. You yeah. bring back an extinct species of tree. Uh, it has some crazy innate tree disease that spreads to every other tree in the world and, uh, and destroys us all. Alex, you know that that's kind of happening? Apparently there are long, not dead, but long dormant, long not happened viruses that are now coming out of the melting permafrost up north. 
Interesting. Yes. So that's where the zombie apocalypse is going to happen. Some wow. literal Mongol is going to be like, ah, wake up, and then just be a zombie Mongol army that's going to come destroy <laughs> the rest of us. Now, yeah. that's not a movie waiting to happen. Yeah, was, you got to pitch that script, Case. No, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, okay, to answer this question, I, I don't really, I not that I know of, for sure. Um, it's a little bit different because to do an extinct animal, you have to get like a little bit of their um, DNA. Yeah. But you can synthesize that DNA to get like a germ. I don't know exactly how they do mm. it, but they like they get enough DNA that they can then put that DNA into an embryo and have that embryo then grow using that DNA. The wow. mammoth is the big thing now. I guess no, the dodo is the big thing that people are trying to do these days. Okay. Uh, I think last month that was kind of on all over the news. Bring the dodo back. Yeah. But I but with trees, you can't really do it quite the same because the species are completely different and you can't you don't have like a tree embryo necessarily, but you know what? I I guarantee someone out there who does genetic like implanting could be like, well, we can we can just grow a tree that has the attributes of this tree. Yeah. But is it exactly that tree? I don't know. Mm. So that's a good question. It might be like a fucked up version of it. That, yeah, you know. like some kind of weird, freaky, like cherry with ancient dead Arcaria bark or something. I don't know. <laughs> but that's a, that's a good question. And I, I don't know that anyone is because everything that is alive today is like, doing the work like there's not some ancient tree that's died where they're like oh if only we had the wood of that tree again or the leaves or the fruit or something like that maybe the chestnut's the only one they're kind of oh, doing. oh sure but, that's, but the chestnut's not extinct it's not quite extinct it might be like functionally extinct i see but that's a so that yeah that's a tight that's a that's a tight rope to walk i'm not sure interesting question allison yeah, thank you yeah 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 avery says i'm growing one a don redwood in a wetlands in Texas. Nice. I live I live in North Texas. I live in North Central Texas and the Don Redwood is planted maybe 10 to 15 feet from the water's edge. Will it survive? Can I how can I ensure its safety? It's planted mm. at the edge of a prehistoric garden with petrified wood placed right up against oh, fuck. It's planted up It's planted on the edge of a prehistoric garden with petrified wood placed right side up, scattered around. Oh, I love that. Although it's a bit morbid, you know? Yeah. I think that... (laughs) It's like a a Civil War battlefield, just all these petrified plants. They're just like skeletons, and they're like, yeah, "Yeah, go go, go right there. And they're just looking around, seeing all their dead relatives. It's pretty dark. Yeah. But then again, maybe a tree's just like, oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. I'm back. <laughs> I made it and you didn't. That's yeah. what the tree is saying to these things. Avery, just to be clear, we love this idea. I personally love this idea of a prehistoric garden with the prehistoric garden plants growing there. Yeah. But I love the anthropomorphizing of it as well. Thinking about literally just like putting a playground in the middle of a, of a graveyard just to be like, yeah, there you go. Remember, these are all your ancestors. <laughs> They're dead. Everything is finite. But you're going to be fine. Uh, so what do you think, Case? Is this, uh, is, will this Don Redwood be okay? <laughs> Sorry, I'm still tickled by that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I would think it's like... It I would, think so. This is sort of like a bald cypress type situation. I think so, yeah. It might get a little cool than uh, cooler than the Don Redwood normally likes. They, they like it to keep a little bit warm. But um, the bald cypress grows down there and it grows perfectly well. So my guess is that as long as you do keep it well watered during the later uh, kind of drier season, I think it should be fine. There you go. Yeah, so I bet you it'll be okay. How about that? Thank you, Avery. Carl, JG, as we know him, did you ever go on a road trip and take pictures? 
Yes. Thank you, Carl. Carl's other question. What prehistoric animals, if any, utilize the Don Redwood? I love Carl. Uh... (laughs) You know, that's a good question, Alex. Mm. I think that perhaps there is very few animals that really got into it. Um, maybe like dinosaurs, some big herbivorous kinds of things would eat it. Um, but I don't really know of any animals that eat it today. In fact, almost none. That's the kind of famous things about redwoods and all of those really old trees is that they just don't have an animal that predates upon their leaves. Right, because they are... they are Ecological anachronism. It's an anachronism. Yeah, that's yes. right. It is, but also, like, um, it's an anachronism, but in a way that it's, like, just outgrown all the things that used to eat it. Hmm. So it hasn't... The, the difference between a, a kind of a um, Maclora pomifera, the Osage orange... Bless you. Uh, thank you, excuse me. Having a an old thing that they developed developed in concert with something yeah then that thing went away and now they're like oh well okay i'm still like this on this case it's more that there was like this arms race and one of the arms racers dropped out so now you just have this thing it's like great well i'm perfectly adapted for everything i see you know so it's like one it still works perfectly well um the other it doesn't work perfectly well i gotcha i think that does that make sense i think so okay perfect yeah so, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, I wish I could see these animals with, yeah. with my eyes. I'm going to say dinosaurs, JG. Dinosaurs. Are dinosaurs animals? Yeah. They're animalia? What? Yeah, of course. Are you yeah. serious? I don't know. Okay, it's a good question, Alex. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, you reacted extremely poorly. Next question. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> From ASIBS121. What up? Well, they're not, I mean, they're not like animals the way we know animals. Well, they are though, aren't they? I mean, everything well, is sure. an animal. I don't know if you, I don't know. Okay. It has bones. Hold muscles. on. I didn't know <laughs> if prehistoric things are allowed in modern uh, taxono- taxonomy. Oh, you they, know what I mean? Yeah, they, they certainly are. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Just like we were talking Don about. Redwood is. Exactly. And all the other fossils, like just because they're not alive today does not mean that when they were alive, they were something uh, significantly different. Okay. It could have been, you know, like there are certainly things that we've found fossils of. Where we're like, well, we have, <laughs> this thing doesn't exist anymore. I guess I sort of imagined like, uh, here's a, here's a, um, Dinosauriaceae clade uh, yeah. with all of the dinosaurs. We don't really we don't really talk about it in modern circumstances because uh, they're are all fucking dead. Okay, know? yeah. Well, so in that in this case, yes. So animals are that's like the biggest. You know, there's like fungus, uh, protozoa, animals, plants, like kind of the big, yeah. big, big ones way up there. Right. Um, and there's more that I didn't name. Read the book, The Tangled Tree. They'll talk all about it. Meanwhile, there is, you know, these long family trees that come out. So some of the old trees have died away, but some of their kin from way back when have continued on, and we now have their uh, their descendants today. Oh, so like birds, those yeah. come from, those are in the same like uh, branch as dinosaurs. Yeah, they came off of the branch, okay. the same the same basal branch that dinosaurs came off of. Just the, the dinosaurs are grayed out and the, the birds yeah. are in color. Exactly. Okay. And same thing with like turtles and... Um, oh, yeah. Sharks, sharks like alligators. Alligators. Thank you. I was trying. That, I was just trying to think of alligators, and it just was not coming to me. Mm. So yeah, exactly. Those old kind of ancient uh, things that we find fossils of turtles in fossil beds filled with other dinosaurs and sauropods and right, things like that. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I it's gotcha. just one. They the dinosaur branch 
broke off and died a long time ago. Other branches have continued to move through. So the answer to your question is yes. And I'm sorry, Alex, that I uh, looked at it and was like, of course. What do you mean? Well, you know, I asked a half-baked question and you answered with a half-baked answer. Yeah, but that's right, what that I is, get for asking half-baked yeah, questions. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, thanks, A-Sibs, for your question. <laughs> one, two, one. A-Sibs, one, two, one asks... I desperately wish they could grow in Minnesota. Do you think doing so as a bonsai would be possible? Honestly, I, yes. Uh, do they not grow in Minnesota? I would think you could plant one in Minnesota. Well, there you go. Hold on. Let me uh, let me let me just do a quick meta sequoia. Don Redwood meta sequoia glyptosporides. The Don Redwood. It goes down to USDA zone four. So I think that Minnesota probably has that. Let's check this out. Wow, uh, yeah, Minnesota's a five, it looks like. Okay, that's great. So you're good. Thanks, ACIBS. Max, two questions. What is the actual story of Discovery? Was it all Indiana Jones-esque? Yeah, uh, yeah. Or was it just an unfulfilling story like Game of Thrones? Wow. <laughs> they mean the TV show, obviously. So burned. Not the books. I, yeah, so I don't know. Uh, at this point, uh, our question is turned back on you, Max. What do you think? Oh, sure. Yes, because we've 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 told that story. Yeah. Um, can they be propagated from cuttings? Yes, I believe they quite literally are done that way most often. There you go. Yes. Here's a question from uh, somebody who input no name into their Patreon subscription, Casey. Wow, that's incredible. Good job. <laughs> anonymous. Yeah, Anonymous that's says, sick. not a question, just wanted to share my appreciation for the pod. Seriously makes all my work days as a greenhouse worker enjoyable. Thank you. Ugh, anonymous. Back at you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for doing your greenhouse work. In fact, see if you can do some propagation by cutting of Don Redwood. Follow up with Max, would you? Yes, please. Thank you. Travis says, based on observations of the Don Redwoods in Bellingham, Washington, it's only the oldest trees, two trees planted in the early 50s -hmm. from the original seeds collected in the late 40s case, that have male flowers. Since these two trees are about a mile apart, is there any chance the seeds will be viable anywhere in town? Are they self-fertile? Neither of the original plantings have younger trees anywhere near them, planted or wild. This is very curious. Are Don Redwood self-fertile? They are monoecious. So both male and female cones are on the same plant. Okay. So I don't know that they are self-fertile. That is a good question. My guess would be no, because generally self-fertile things don't do as well because the the whole point of the fertilization by others is you get better genes right it's not optimal it's not optimal so i think that my my guess is that if you just plant those trees those two next to each other they'll make they'll make cones if they can Hmm. so i don't know why they aren't that's a very good question love it thank you travis great question maddie why they got those armpits Oh, yeah. We, 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 man, go back and listen, Maddie. I, mean, I, I like just acting like it's Maddie's fault that they asked a question we've already answered. Yeah, I'm like, Maddie, come on. <laughs> what is the, what are you doing here? We're just playing, Maddie. Um, Sky. Sky News. I love that. That's the sports, uh, the sports thing in Europe or oh, England okay. specifically. Sure. Nice. Football, huh? Oh, yeah. How closely related to the coastal redwoods are the Dons? There is a grove of Dons near my house in eastern Pennsylvania, and it's not really a place you'd suspect a redwood to be. Although the arboretum I see them at has many estate champion trees. So. Interesting. So this is actually kind of an interesting question 
because I don't know that I really have a good answer. How closely they are related to Redwoods. Yeah, I know that they're so close that like our, our beginner beginning heroes in our story thought they were the same tree, right? right? But I don't think I've ever seen, and I'm actively looking for right now, a cladogram of what used to be Taxodiaceae, that family. Because you would be able to see like which ones are closely related. Cladogram. Yeah. You, we, we've looked at these several different times. Okay. Um, you and I, because we've basically been trying to see, well, which one, which trees are closely related to which other trees. Okay, I'm looking at them now. I remember. Yeah, but I can't find any right quick uh, between these two trees. Uh, rather, I'm sorry, between this whole family. Um and I would be willing to bet that there certainly is one. I just have not been able to actually find it. I did not do that research. There you go. However. It's possible. Yes. They are very closely related. They are they are next of kin. <laughs> so closely related um, that my guess is that they are, um, I don't want to say so closely related because as we said before, like there could have been several different species of Dawn Redwood across the world and we just don't know. Sure. So it could be that they are more like very closely related, but when we connect the dots, there's probably several dots in between that we're missing because we don't have the DNA to show. Mm. So like you find a fossil, it looks exactly the same. But like we said, there are two different beech trees that look almost exactly the same, except for the uh, the leaves have more or fewer veins, right? Right. If we find the seeds, the seeds are like almost exactly the same. So we're like, well, okay, the, the, the fruit looks the same, so this must be just one tree. So there's one species of beech tree across North America and Europe, for instance, let's just say. Okay. Even though, in reality, if we had the DNA, we could actually say, no, 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 these are two different trees, so we have we can split those up, and now there's a second dot where there used to just be one. Mm-hmm. So I'd be willing to bet if we took the giant sequoias, glyptostrobus, and the sequoias and the Don Redwood, and we put them all together, they, the, the thing, our cladogram, is going to be like, yeah, they're all right next to each other on this cladogram. But if we had 10 other trees from the past that have gone extinct, they, the relationship would be, you know, different. Right. You'd be giving them, them context, like, oh, these are actually very dissimilar. You, exactly. You say, wow, okay, they're really not the same. Yeah. And they come from, they're like six different levels of differences. But if you, you just make a cladogram, all we can see is, yes, they're right next to each other. I got you. So I, that's a hard question, at least as far as I know. We'll have to ask some other more smart people better, <laughs> better questions. Thank you, Sky. Yeah. Ridge Runner. What's up? Any relation? I have trouble distinguishing Don Redwood and Bald Cypress. Hey, don't we all? Yeah. Is there a way to tell them apart? I have some trees in my local park in Fortuna, California. Okay. Uh, I assumed they were redwood because they are planted with coast redwood, which are native and giant sequoia. But they also look just like the Bald Cypress in most ID comparisons. Mm -hmm. Always wondered about this. Well, I would say go to the cones. Yes. I was waiting for you to say a second thing on that. <laughs> no. Yes, uh, that is the perfect way to do it. The cones look very dissimilar. Yes. So a bald cypress, um, there's a couple different things. Um, our good friend Rex Wu also yeah. commented on this. Heck yeah, Rex. Glad to see you. Uh, and Rex made the very the easiest first thing to look at is the leaf arrangement, those little twiglets that come out. On the Don Redwood, they're oppositely arranged on a bald 
on the bald cypress, they are alternately arranged. So that's the quickest one you can tell. The other difference is that the bark on a bald cypress is mostly smooth. It doesn't get really thick and furrowed, whereas a Dawn Redwood, it gets just a little bit thicker, a little bit more furrowed. Mm. So it's not quite as smooth and nice looking. Uh, the bald cypress tends to be very, very nice and columnar, whereas uh, because of all the armpits and all the weird stuff that the Dawn Redwood does, it tends to have uh, a shape that looks way more like weird and irregular sure. as it's growing up. There you go. Next thing, just before we end, like you talked about the cone. I don't want to I want to tell them the differences. The cone of the Dawn Redwood is perfectly square. It has two opposite uh oppositely arranged cone scales that are at 90 degrees to their other cone scales. Uh like you said like Lincoln logs kind of stacked on top of each other. Yeah. But the really short ones that are like right. very tiny. They have the little notch in the middle. Exactly. Um, versus the bald cypress, they're like little eggs. They're all smashed together. And when they get dry, they kind of fall apart, kind of disintegrate. Yeah. We, we I think in our bald cypress episode, we compared bald cypress cones to like dried dog droppings. Yes. I, exactly. That's precisely <laughs> I like dog drop. Dog scat. <laughs> dog scat. Yeah. Wild dog scat. Uh, yeah. There you go. Hey, all right, everyone. Well, thank you to all of our patrons who asked a question about the Don Redwood. That's right. If you want to ask us a question, join the Patreon at the $3 Q&A. That's Quercus and Alder tier. Three bucks a month, you have access to Casey and I, essentially. Straight up. Hey, we're a cheap date, huh? Oh, hey, yeah, yeah, very much, very much so. Five bucks, a couple bucks more. You get two bonus episodes of this show every month on the Patreon. That's right. Just recently, we uh, did a lovely interview with Bill Bielik. That's right. Here's an, here's a fun example of the kind of thing you might find on the Patreon. Uh, Casey interviewed Bill Bielik, uh, who is, who, who's in charge of uh, Nakamoto Forestry. Mm-hmm. Yep, here in North America. Yep, who do the Yakasugi wood treatment yep. of the Japanese cryptomeria, Sugi. Um, so Casey took that information... And we made an episode about it. But on the Patreon, you can hear the original interview mm-hmm. and hear it from the man himself. Exactly. Pretty cool. It's a lot of fun. That's right. Above that is our flagship tier, the Cone of the Month Club. Beautiful. Hands down, my favorite tier, Casey. It's great. And this month is, well, I guess technically last month, the month before last, because everything's on a bit of a lag. Yeah, by design, unfortunately. Yes, by design, <laughs> but man, the dot or the but man, the sugar pine, I'm so excited. Like I just this is my favorite so far. Yeah. It's well, we have so much fun with these things, Alex. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty excited for that one. Or I was excited for that one in the past. We're time traveling. I can't keep it all straight. Exactly. I don't know where we are right now. I don't know when we are. <laughs> I'll tell you where we are, Casey. We're at the next tier, Arbitrary Plus. Yeah, all right. 15 bucks a month gets you all of that stuff we already described, plus two live streams a month. One with Casey and I, and one with just me playing a tree or nature-themed video game. That happens once a month. And above that, a very generous tier generous admission it starts at twenty dollars this is the above and beyond the we we turn our eyes down at you as you hand it to us <laughs> exactly we're so honored and, <laughs> and and humbled um yeah that's just the the if you want to give a little extra to the podcast if it means that much to you 20 bucks you can starts there you can get whatever you want we are extremely grateful to our patrons our audience anybody who listens or supports this show Well, Alex, what do you think of our discussion on paleobotany? 
Wild stuff, Case. But I have to be honest, even though Shigeru Miki can't hear or see us, I still feel like we're intruding on his personal space. There are some important historical things happening here, and it just doesn't feel right to be a fly on the wall. I fully agree. Let's get Tobin back, and we'll head off to our next adventure. Let me just... Um, <clears throat> Please teach me how to do that. Hello, boys. Tobin? It is I. The ghost of arbitrary future. Ah, so he's leaning into it. Fabulous. Okay. He's taking back the narrative. I love it. I take you now to the future. A future of unimaginable doom. That is, unless you right a wrong. A wrong you levied against a tree years ago. A tree that did not deserve or warrant such a wrong. A wrong... I'm, I'm sorry. Can I, I to interrupt? Is it? Is it? Can we edit this down? Is this is unintelligible? No, I, I think I know what he means. I'm ready, Ghost Dude. Show us the way. Hop onto my time traveling tree stump and also take my hand, which is a new rule. Beep 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 boop boop. To San Dimas, California, twenty six eighty eight. Hey, we're back on track, dude. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>